Hi, and welcome to a new episode of the State of the Net podcast. I'm Paolo Valdemarin. And I'm Ivan Semple. And this time I'm recording from Italy. Wow. I moved here. We're international. Yeah. And uh, the main reason for the delay in this of this episode is that I came back here, I brought with me my big condenser microphone, uh, and I, I had a USB interface uh, here, and uh, which I've not been using for probably a year. And I got here and realized that uh, it's not supported anymore by the system, so I had to buy a new one. And it's, uh, I mean, I, I think I bought it in 2007, so, oh, I, you know, 13 years for a device is mm-hmm. good enough. But it's a bloody USB interface. <laughs> no, it's not exactly it a moving working? part, has it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I, I was also uh, chasing my tail with technology in terms of the cabling, it turns out, for my microphone, because I tried using it on the iPad, on the iPhone, on the Mac. And it had the same problem on every device. And then I thought, well, it must be the cable. So I, I too, am on a new cable. So I've just thought, Paolo, if there's a lot of people listening to nothing, <laughs> it hasn't worked. It's, uh, I mean, this thing about technology getting getting old, um, we are looking, we have been test driving cars because we, we need to change our car here. Oh, yeah. And, um, and the car we currently have is a Ford car which we bought in year 2000. So hmm. in a couple of months, that car is going to be 20 years old. Wow. And uh, the CD player in the car works perfectly. Well, not perfectly. I mean, sometimes it have a little bit of glitches when you put in CDs in and out. But if you think about it, the CD player has been sitting in the car in weather for 20 years and it still works fine. And I've been looking to all these new cars, and they are, and, and of course, you know, it's 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 a whole new world out there with cars. I mean, you can connect your phone, you can do. They they don't have the dashboard is a screen that moves and animation. It's it's so cool. But I was thinking, there's no way whatever I'll be using as a phone in twenty years is going to be compatible with the car I'm going to buy <laughs> no. today. Well, talking about, like, talk about compatibility, my dad's got an old uh, Mercedes soft top, and uh, I was in it with him the other day there, and I, I said, what's that What's that slot on the top of your dashboard for? And I put my finger on it, and it turns out it's a VHS player <laughs> in a car. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's but, yeah. you know, I, what, what I'm thinking is that... Uh, if it was just for the entertainment, you know, okay, you can you can keep using CDs or you know, the, pretty much the only place where we have a CD player was the car at the moment. Yeah. But uh, I mean, now it, navigation is based on your phone, yeah. Yeah. and you know, unlocking the car can be based on your phone. So yeah. all these things based on your phone, but the car probably is going to outlast every standard. I mean. Well, I suppose that the whole purpose of this is they don't want you to, to the car to outlast all the standards. But uh, yeah, the car, well, just that I was going to say that the car itself is increasingly a software product, um, especially with Teslas and things. And so, even with mine, which is a standard diesel Honda, there's so much that can go wrong 
electronically that's so critical to the car. You know, I can't fix the car. We must be joking. I mean, even the AA turn up, lift the bonnet, and there's this big black box that they set the computer into. You know, it's madness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the car- all the cars we have been looking at are various type of hybrid, mm-hmm. so that makes it even more complicated. I mean, you, you open the button, and it's just like, all right, you just shut it down. You, there's no idea how that works. But, you know, I mean, we're not against technology, are we? Indeed. And this bright future... A couple of days ago, as probably everybody has heard, Twitter was hacked, and uh, I mean, it could have been a war, if you think. Yeah, about well, it. yeah, I know, I know. Well, we said it's funny because we used the word hacked. I, I used it myself a moment ago, but in a sense, it wasn't hacked. It was um, what they call it, social engineering. Where so I was just reading up about it this morning. So it turns out it's a bunch of youngsters who got a, got into getting hold of short Twitter handles. Yeah. Um, just as well they didn't get hold of me, isn't it, really? And uh, and then sort of realised there was a value in them, started trading them to get Bitcoins, and then it sort of took off, and they realised they'd get more money if they got celebrities, and then they get hold of somebody in Twitter, and the next thing you know... And as you say, I mean, one of the pundits was making the point that their use of it was just trying to encourage people to pay Bitcoins for something. But... Um, if they had chosen to, and they'd got a hold of Biden's account or whatever, they could they could have caused some really serious, you know, damage before anybody could do anything to stop it. Yeah, or think about uh, they could have done stuff on the stock exchange. Uh, they could have made way. I think they 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 calculated that they made about hundred and thirty thousand yeah. dollars, which is I mean they could have made way more than that. And I think most of that's traceable and, and, you know, it's clear where it came from and who bought it sort of thing. So it's, But apparently somebody was saying why wasn't Trump's account hacked, but apparently he's got special security on his after that Twitter employee shut him down um, a couple of years ago. Anyway, not very good for Twitter. But actually, actually Trump, <laughs> Trump posts such inflammatory stuff anyway, you'd be hard pushed to make up something worse. And I was sharing a, a a post from the Onion saying that they're they're on, they're on the verge of collapse because they they feel unable to make up anything crazier than what's actually happening in the world at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in that case, the hack is at at a higher level in the stack, I would say. <laughs> yes, but it's it's kind of interesting how we all, you know, come back to the cars. And I suppose not unrelated to Twitter either, but we, we get so... We're racing into this brave new world that's got so many clever things in it and we get seduced by all the clever things. And I was seduced the other day there on Amazon, as happens regularly, um, by a clever thing which was a pop-up beach tent. And uh, yesterday on the beach, breezy day on the beach, the thing popped up, fine, no problem. But could I get the bloody thing to pack up again? And, you know, you can imagine, you conjure up the image of me wrestling with this thing, trying to get it to collapse in a high wind, eventually giving up, just ramming it into a bag and storming off the beach in a, in a grump. And it's part of, I think, this whole sort of thing that we're more and more experiencing of, or, or the cars, it's true as well. You know, if the car goes wrong, I can't do anything with the car. I'm, I'm lost. In the old days, I could try cleaning spark plugs and things just to help, you know, feel as if I was doing something. And I reckon there is a sort of, and this is how it relates to to Twitter, there's a kind of building rage 
almost at our powerlessness that we've sort of made for ourselves by trying to make ourselves more powerful with technology. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's clearly a stress on a lot of people, I think. I mean, even just down to the level of not being able to use your phone, you hear people effing, effing and blinding at their technology because they can't get it to do what they want. And then, of course, when it goes wrong, we're at sea. We can't, we can't cope. Um, I wonder if it's uh, related to... There are a whole number of uh, YouTube channels of people restoring old things or mm. there is this amazing I have no idea what the story is but there is this old Chinese guy in the forest who builds things with bamboo and three tools and you know he builds a bridge he builds a table he builds a I mean it's it's amazing mm. and these are long videos with just this guy who doesn't say anything he just sits there and builds this thing and I've been watching videos like that for hours <laughs> because I'm just fascinated <laughs> with the with the whole process lock, lock in's not been good for you has it Paolo yeah maybe I mean uh, it's uh, I, I actually I'm doing much less than that now that I'm here in, in, <laughs> in real nature as opposed to when I was back in London yeah. uh, but um, yeah I mean I, I guess there is an appetite for controllable things and uh, well maybe it's part of the whole retro back to vinyl back to paper you know, it might be part of that as well. Well, I guess that there is there are more and more layers of interface between us and uh, and technology, and uh, you know, it on one side it makes it way more powerful. You can do more things; it's less risky. But on the other side, it may, can make it boring or less exciting or very frustrating. It's, yeah. it's a little bit like one of the things we noticed driving all these new cars is that the steering is so strange. And you mm. realize that uh, this is because it's electronic steering. So basically, there is a there is an electric motor steering for you. You're, and, and all yeah. these modern cars could be turning to self-driving car. I mean, there is you could steal wheels without anybody sitting there. Yes. And you realize that even that direct connection between you and the wheels now it's uh, you know way less direct. And it's interesting, isn't it? In the same way as audio files disparage CDs because you can hear the artifacts produced by the digitization or the bits that are missing because of the digitization. It's it's that direct analog contact with the world and it's and it always fascinates me how in cars you know I love driving and I do a lot of driving and I'm sort of always noticing things while I'm driving and it's just that fact that you can tell whether the road's getting slippy through mm-hmm. what your tires multiple bits of metal the seat your backside and your brain somehow manages to interpret this and knows that the road's just getting a bit slippier and and you're right because I well, I think it's less likely to transfer through a, a digitized medium, isn't it? In a way, 
Yeah, which probably it's a it's overall a good thing, given that most people can't drive a car. So you know, probably in in most cases, a computer can do better. Even even many who are. But uh, yeah, if you wanted to have that uh, feeling of control, you you have to give it up, and probably you're replacing it with with other things. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's funny because I mean. Uh, I have a very well. No, that was a complete overstatement. I was going to say I have a Zen-like approach to driving. <laughs> Ask my family that slips on a regular basis, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I tend to drive off cruise control a lot of the time. So I'll just try to optimize the driving. In fact, I've just had the car serviced, and the garage yet again expressed amazement that after two years and forty thousand miles, I've only used ten percent of the brakes. And that's because I'm constantly anticipating and working out what's happening ahead of me. And it's partly out of this OCD thing of trying not to have to use the accelerator and therefore coming off cruise control. So I'm mm. constantly watching what's ahead, what's behind, who's overtaking me. And then you'll sort of overtake, or, or you know, you'll know that you've got enough speed that you should, you need to overtake somebody who's probably sitting in the middle lane with nothing inside them anyway. So you're not well disposed to them anyway. And then you sort of pull out and you're starting to pass them. And then they start to accelerate <laughs> so that you yeah. can't pull in in front of them. That, that's when I lose the Zen-like composure. But I find myself thinking, God, the sooner this all gets automated and the cars just work it out for themselves, the better. Uh, it's, it's interesting because I must say that probably the first realm of life where I started to get a little bit more Zen has been with driving mm -hmm. uh, back in the days when I was driving a lot so you know I would drive for 2,000 kilometers in a day uh, and I would do that every week and because I would go to Milano I would go and I will always drive and it's the type of thing where you know if, if you keep if you keep get, keep getting mad at people yeah if you're driving that much, you just go crazy. So you start getting interested in other things. And one of those things is, uh, okay, can I get home? And here we have the trick that uh, uh, gas is cheaper across the border in Slovenia. So oh, you yeah. try to go to Milan and come back on a tank. Right. So so it's it's especially important to, to drive carefully. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I remember driving with the thing of uh, not only you never ever break i mean it's breaking is the last resort yeah uh but also this uh, accelerating just having that there is that sweet spot where That's you right. can actually keep it in a in a what is interesting is that um uh some of these new cars actually have uh uh, computers that help you that train you to drive like that <laughs> I love it. so they are basically they give you advice especially when you have a hybrid with electric motors and of course the electric motor can help a lot there mm -hmm. they're basically telling you oh you know don't push too hard if you're going up the hill or you know it's basically they they, they can yeah. help you learn the best uh, the best ways of uh, optimizing which i yeah. think is a good is a good yeah, well, and, and actually the other thing you're just talking about, uh, the length of turns that we, you were doing, I'm, as I was just saying, my, my elderly mother's in a, in a care home and I'm visiting her regularly and that's a, a two and a half hour journey in either direction. And it's funny how, because I've spent most of the last year driving 
professionally where, you know, my legal working day was nine hours with only a 45 minute break in the middle of it. And in which I'd quite often do 10 hours or more because there's certain circumstances you can do that. So, you know, I would think think nothing of doing that five days a week, four or five days a week. So it's funny now because just driving two and a half hours there, two and a half hour back sort of feels like half a day. And it's, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's just nothing. it's just a thing of perspective, isn't it? You know, to other people that, that would feel like quite a long journey and a big commitment. Um, but to me, I just think it, it's an opportunity to listen to an audio book, you know. Now, what is interesting is uh, on my side is that I found out a couple of days ago that I don't have a valid driving license. I mean, oh, really? Technically, let's say that my Italian driving license uh, expired in March, but it's valid until the end of August because they have the, moved all the, the expirations because of the COVID right, yeah. situation. But I found out that I cannot renew it in Italy because I'm a resident in the UK. And of course, I cannot exchange the with the UK driving <laughs> oh, license no. anymore because it has expired. So oh, no. I I don't know. I haven't. I have no idea what. But on the first of September, I won't be able to drive a car. I won't be allowed to drive a car anywhere, wow. uh, which is going to be probably a bit. Well, of where a you especially live, because I don't back, want. Well, the thing is that I don't care about driving in the UK. I don't want yeah. to drive in the UK. I never did it, and I never will, as far as I... I mean, my plan for the UK was self-driving cars will become available by the time I will need to have a car, yeah. and that's it. Uh, now I'll probably have to study and do exams to get a bloody driving license well, of course, I, 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 unlike most drivers in my acquaintance I have had to sit a test within the last couple of years and all the all the um, you have to redo all the signs and all the road craft and all the sort of stuff I mean, I've forgotten it all already but I did have to go through it but it's, I was yeah. just thinking as well about transport and travel and going places and trying to save the impact and the headline of British Airways um, putting to bed all their 747s uh, which mm -hmm. is quite quite a big move and, you know, I find myself enjoying, I think we've maybe talked about this, but just enjoying the crystal clear skies that no contrails make possible. And I do find myself thinking, gosh, will I ever go back to Australia, for instance? You know, I've been lucky enough to be there a dozen times or so. And I've flown a lot within Australia when I've been there, you know, and I just, I'm not, I'm just not sure how I feel about doing that again. I'll forget all these principles as soon as somebody offers me some paid work there, you know, but... Yeah, I I mean, uh, as I think we already covered this at some point. It's uh, you know, being able to pop back and forth between the UK and Italy was a pretty fundamental yeah. feature in my life, and uh, who knows how it's gonna go. Yeah. Um, but you know, we have to embrace change. I mean, flying back to Italy was interesting because. Uh, uh, I flew out on the s second day that Ryanair was flying. Mm -hmm. um, there was very little traffic at the airport. I mean, I, I flew from Stansted concentration camp and uh, there were, it was funny because the panels with the, you know, the screens with the flights, usually yeah. there are four screens and uh, three were empty. Only the first one had, Probably it yeah. was two thirds full, so not a lot of people, not a lot of. In you know how many hours I spent sitting there, 
and you know trying to figure out where all the places that you could fly to are and you know on that day there were just dozen flights and yeah, uh, it's gonna be interesting but then but then it was fine i mean you have to wear a mask as you fly through and uh and two hours late and everything was ahead of time because you know there was no congestion yeah, yeah. and uh, two hours later was home so I mean, I wish it was always like that, to be honest. I was going to say, it's like the old days when only rich people could fly. Well, it was quite expensive to get to the airport because I decided to take a to to, to, to take a cab and not go mm. with a public transportation. Of course. I mean, yeah. honestly, the whole situation in the... the it, it, I, I found amazing how different the COVID situation is here in Italy. Yeah, you were saying, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's um, it's crazy, but they all everybody seems much more responsible about this thing here. I mean, pretty, everybody's it's, wearing, a, it's a bad time when the Italians are showing you how to behave. Exactly, really? uh, that, that's crazy. I mean, I mean, I look. I remember before when this was about to start. Um, Monica was uh, in in London with me. And she had a flight to she she had a flight book to fly back, and actually she flew back. She landed in Italy the day before lockdown started in Italy. It would have started two weeks later in the UK. Yeah, but we were sitting there, and I was saying, oh, I'm not sure. I mean, look, if all this situation goes badly, I'd rather be in the UK than in Italy. I mean, mm. you know, people here are more <laughs> responsible. They had the NHS and, you know, the little did I know. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, even this week announcements around uh, face masks in shop. Oh, and yes and don't. no and yes and uh, yes, and but the, the people Yes and no and then, and then some silly World War II type jingoistic slogan that you're meant to all respond to it's unbelievable yeah it's it just uh, it's just uh, i mean here everybody and look if there is one place where people don't like following rules it's it, it this is yeah. italy uh but uh i mean with the exception of one single car dealer who would just not wear a mask and he would keep saying well we have dis disinfected everything and saying yeah but this is not how it works uh, but uh, pretty much everywhere else uh, I've been it's uh, you know mask and and plexiglass panels and uh, yeah, yeah. and everybody seems to be pretty cool I mean it's it's funny because by the time I got, I got here they had already been doing this for almost two months so you know it's it's, it's already become a, a new habit well it, it's i don't know how it's a bit like the whole green thing and how that became as politicized as it did and I, i'm still struggling a wee bit i understand that you know people of varying degrees of willingness to be told what to do by the government but it's not i'm not doing it because i'm being told by the government i'm doing it because it benefits myself and everybody else that i know um, and why not? You know, and so I've been wearing a mask every time I've gone out into shops or whatever since since the start, really, and getting odd looks. You know, um, but it's it's crazy. I mean, there is people I know and like who come back with arguments, and well, you know, they might not be healthy. You're breathing yeah. your own air, and, and it's like, oh come on, really? I mean, it's I it's 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 ridiculous. Yeah, and it's and it's pretty much and and 
it's in the UK and in America. So yeah, totally. Yeah, must the be cultural thing. With, That's right. It's a must be something thing. with the Anglo-Saxons. I don't know. Oh, I don't. And we used to think we were the. Uh, I was going to say the master race. That's an unfortunate choice of phrase. But you know, we we used to think we were we were the thing that other people aspire to. <laughs> That's not been true for some time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh look, UK is 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 okay. Numbers are down, but not that way down. But they are improving. I wouldn't want to be in America right now. Well, not just that, but I mean the whole thing about these unmarked vans and un unbadged, heavily armed people. Don't even nobody's that sure who they are or what they are. Wading into um, Portland. Um, it's it's a it's not a happy place, is it? I don't know. I mean, look, there there have ten years ago, I was seriously thinking thinking of of moving there, um, and you know, I have friends and and uh, family to some degree, but right now, I'm not even. I mean, I wouldn't even want to be visiting, and and I feel very bad about no, it. I, I, no, I, I'm the same. Is is I mean I I I love California and San Francisco and the Bay Area and I have probably no more people there than anywhere else, but uh, yeah, right now with the stories and the protests and COVID uh, and police, it's like oh, all right. Maybe. Well, the way the way Trump's administration are throwing the weight around with the states, the individual states, and sort of riding roughshod over their decisions, I can't. You know, you could easily imagine it splitting back into individual states at some point because they're all big enough to do it. You know. Oh yeah, well. Okay. And then you could just then you could just pick and mix. You could decide which states <laughs> you would go to. Um, so you could just fly to California and not have to face the attitudes of coming through Washington or whatever. You know, bonkers. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll see. Everything. I mean, I don't think that at this point there will be any things will just go back to a more normal situation eventually but just we just oh will they will they yeah i don't think that there that it's no time for big wars and separations anymore mm. i don't think so I mean, I well, think that there is a lot of posturing. I think that there is a lot of, you know, it, it, look, even in our smaller environment, this whole Brexit thing, I still think that uh, at the end there won't be a huge... I mean, they they will have to do something, go through the moves, and I mean, it's, it's a global world. Whatever you do, whatever you uh, say, yeah. everything is so interconnected, and you cannot unplug it. There is no unbundling no. of uh, the the modern economy. So yes, you can stomp around and say things and build walls and leave Europe, but everything will still be connected after you're done doing that. So yeah, I tend to see a lot of what's happening as a sort of last kicks from a sort of dying way of looking at the world at least that's the optimistic view and even if they gain some short term short term victories it just seems inevitable as you say that that you know we have this much much more connected view of the world and yes we're using it at the moment to polarize and reinforce our narrow views of things in many cases but in the long run um and you can't well hmm, 
I was about to say you can't put the internet back in its bottle. You can maybe fragment it into lots of little bottles. <laughs> yeah. I'm less less sanguine about that than I used to be. Yeah, I mean it's it's. Uh, let's say that the bright future that we had in mind uh, some twenty years ago did not exactly happen. But on the other hand, 20 years is not a whole lot it's of time. Not, yeah, so, yeah, and it's not over so, yet. So, yeah, and it's not over yet. So there are cycles. I mean, we had to go through the cycle of big social media and big companies. And then, you know, let's see what, what will happen. It's uh, Certainly this seems to be speeding up the evolutionary rate, doesn't it? I mean, it's it's things that were people were toying with the idea of are just now happening, like working from home or like changing the way we travel. Um, it's forcing things, forcing the rate of change, which, you know, as long as we don't all careen off the off the cliff edge, may not be in the long term a bad thing. I guess that this forced change is interesting because uh, it's sort of uh, you know, rehearsals for future changes that we yeah. will have to adopt. So I, I think that it is interesting because it it's like, okay, let's try to see what happens. Is Everybody has to stay home. Let's try to see what happens. Nobody has to fly. And the truth yeah. is what yeah. happened is not much. I mean, yes, there is going to be an impact on the economy and we'll have to see how bad that is. But... Uh, society kept working i mean society yeah. kept existing and uh, if we haven't had this huge impact on economies so far maybe we don't we won't i mean maybe we'll just adjust with things and and try to to because yes it is true we're spending less money but uh, which is slowing down the economy but it's also true that we're spending more money less money because we need to spend less money and and even in and terms of the the bad, the bad behavior you said making a value judgment but the problematic behavior on the, on the internet and on social media even that you know I was reading a piece about the Karen meme um, mm-hmm. and the way that spread and has grown and but how we come through it and get bored with it and think, well, maybe that's not a good way to spend our time. You know, and this guy was making the point that it's, it's, it, that has accelerated because we're all sitting at home with nothing else to fill our time. Um, so that evolutionary process of becoming bored with the shit on the internet um, can't, can't happen fast enough. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So, and... Yeah, even learning cycles become... I mean, mm-hmm. people had to learn to use technology in different ways. Uh, it would be interesting to see, because I, uh, what I've realized is that the way we, for example, are using Zoom and other tools at work has changed in you know since we started uh, working from home. I mean, it has refined, we found new tricks, uh, everything is kind of smoother, and uh, and easier, so yeah. I th- even even processes. The, Penny's job, my wife's job. They've got a, a, at the end of the day, they have a quiz that each of them is responsible for coming up for, with the questions for, and it's just a little bit of social release and banter at the end of the day that helps relieve some of the pressures that build up from doing end to end Zoom calls, kind of thing. You know, I think a lot of people are finding those little interventions that just make it more bearable in some ways. Yeah, 
so uh, and if you think that it all this only ha- happened in what three four months mm. yeah um it's uh it, it would be interesting to try to figure out how many cycles we went through in these four months in terms of trying things changing things improving things but uh well the other the other big one that the other big one that we've come back to many times but the whole thing about the truth and the i wrote the other day there that i keep thinking of giving up on facebook but one of the reasons i don't is that quite contrary to most people's assumptions or expectations, I feel better informed because I'm there. Um, Because I now, not buying newspapers or watching the news, get my sense of what's happening from... And people misinterpret this and think I'm saying that news is coming from Facebook. No, Facebook doesn't generate news. I get access to news through the people that I follow on Facebook. And because I follow a diverse bunch of people, some of whom are so diverse it curls my toes, um... I feel reasonably confident that I'm seeing different perspectives on what's happening in the world in a way that if I gave up on that and just relied on mainstream news, I would feel less well-informed. Um, so that, that was the post that I did. And um, that, again, I think is something that some of us have predicted for a long time, that that um, reliance on third parties to tell you what the truth is has had some massive holes blown in it over the last few months and learning ways to be more adept at critical thinking and better able to judge sources of information and um, that that all is a good thing as well I think that there is also the aspect of uh, reach in the sense that uh, if you're just looking at the media yourself you're probably looking at a relatively limited number yeah, of channels totally. if if you're looking at the world through I, I, I mean as you were describing it I was imagining you know, almost a multifaceted mirror. You know, you're you're yeah, looking well, at the uh, world reflected in this mirror made right. where every facet is a different person. And, and because uh, of the fact I've travelled the world as much as I have, I now have good friends literally all around the world. So I will see their perspectives from their countries of what's happening in my country in a way that never gets into the mainstream media. No, yeah, and and you know, if you're careful at. Uh, building this uh, big mirror of many facets that are diverse and extended and spread around, you can have a a very interesting view of the world. On the same hand, if you only friend, you know, facets that are looking the same direction, you will probably end up having a much smaller view of the world. I guess that the problem is that, that, uh, the experience that you or I are having on, on social media might not be what a lot of people experience no. of social media. So there is, I, I think that what is interesting is that there is a good way of using social media, but unfortunately it's not the mainstream uh, ver- no, version of social media. That's because we've been doing it for 20 or 30 years. And, and I again... It was clear even in, in the BBC at work that, that it would take time for people to mature in their use of the platform we gave them. And it's the same on the internet. And, you know, we've got vast numbers of people piling into something and going through the learning process that some of us took years to do. Um, and that's partly what's causing the friction and the tension, but it doesn't mean that we won't come through it. I mean, I still remain optimistic that, that 
it is the glue that will help us to see how connected things are and to be able to join up and solve things. You know, just thinking back to the, the examples we gave, watching some of the science accelerating because the teams all around the world are able to talk and share in the way that they've never been able to before. Um, you know, that that you still end up at that crux issue that it accelerates and amplifies bad things just as much as good things. <laughs> Even dead to what the definition of bad or good are. But it, let's say that whatever you want to call it, it does reflect uh, humankind and yeah, uh, yeah. it does uh, amplify the, the mirror. The, yeah. Yep. All right. I think that. Uh, well, we managed to turn that round to be, to be about technology in the end. That was uh, quite remarkable. Yep. So on that on that optimistic oh, oh. so on that relatively modestly optimistic note, should we call it a day, Paolo? Absolutely, it was pretty optimistic. I mean, it's gonna be a brave new world. Or else. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time. Bye bye. Okay.